Hi, everyone, and welcome to Human Centered, brought to you by VML YNR. I'm Nick Brunker, the Director of Experience Strategy and your host for the show. Thanks for tuning us in. On every episode of Human Centered, we explore how brands, both large and small, are creating meaningful customer experiences and discuss how professionals like you can tap into CX best practices to create value and gain traction in transforming your business. We've got an incredible conversation on tap today. In celebration of Black History Month, we want to focus on the importance of inclusivity and diversity if you want to truly put people at the center and how leaders can have honest conversations about how to affect change from the top down. We have an all-star panel for you today from VML YNR to help us dig into all of that. I am super excited to introduce Executive Creative Director Walt Gear, Associate Director of Experience Strategy Sarah Hodge, and Chief Integration Officer Myron King. Welcome, friends. Thanks for joining us. Why don't we kick things off with a quick round of introductions. Myron, you drew the short straw, so I'll go ahead and start with you and, and give us a little quick look into your your world a bit. Hey, glad to be part of Human Centered, Nick. We've our, our relationship goes back centuries almost. Um, <laughs> so I'm really glad to be a part of the conversation. Um, you, you already introduced me as the uh, Chief Integration Officer at VML YNR. It's a, a, a newly created position where I get to work at the intersection of our processes and our people, uh, but also our business impact where culture is concerned. So really looking forward to to all the uh, dynamic experience changes that that's going to bring both for employees and for consumers that we work with in the marketplace. hundred percent. I, I can't wait to, to dig into stuff with you. One thing before we, you know, pass the, the baton over to, to Walt and to Sarah, um, we're doing something pretty cool for Black History Month. I mean, there, this has been a busy month uh, around VML YNR, and I know there are going to be people listening to the show that are both uh, VML YNRers, uh, those that are in the agency, and then those that, that are not. We do something pretty cool um, just as an agency broadly. We give these things called props points, which are essentially internal points for doing cool stuff or good teamwork or what have you. And, and you can actually use those points to go out and buy real things like gift cards and you know iPhones and all kinds of other things, uh, just to name, name a few. And this month, you're handing out a whole bunch of points as part of a Black <laughs> History Month trivia contest. Tell us about a little bit about that. Yeah, thanks for teeing that up. So very literally, there's there's nothing trivial about Black History Month, which is kind of the play on words with this being a trivia contest. <laughs> for for the last few weeks, we've introduced 28 figures of in, in in American history, in world history, that that are also Black individuals, and and each week we we asked our employees to basically identify the images and submit the names of these individuals correctly. For those that named them correctly each week they were entered into a drawing for a thousand props points. So we've done that and we have our week three winners, which we'll announce during uh, uh, later this week. But in this episode, this episode, at the end of the episode, <laughs> we're going to announce our 28,000 point winner. This person got all of the uh, people correctly identified three weeks in a row. That's what you had to do to be eligible. So it was only uh, about 10, 10 to 12 people that actually did that. Uh, and we have our winner, but we'll, Announced that at the end. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. 28,000. That's, that's what we call in the business a tease. A tease, folks. Myron, thanks a lot. We're also pleased to be joined by Sarah Hodge, who's an Associate Director of Experience Strategy down in our Dallas Frisco office. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you, Nick, for allowing me to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to have this conversation. Um, as Myron mentioned, uh, I also, you and I also go way, 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 way back. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we've had many kind of silo conversations before. And so, uh, you know, you know, about different things. And, um, we've kind of been on a, on a similar path of, 
you know, coming from the e-commerce space, you know, dipping our toes in, in uh, website redesigns and, you know, building different experiences. So, you know, this is this is definitely going to be a great conversation and I'm, I'm happy to be here. Last but certainly not least, an all-star in his own right, our executive director of experience design, Walt Gear. Walt, thanks for being here. Tell us a little bit about your background. Hey, man, I am still not an all-star, man. I'm just local. I'm local, man. I'm local. <laughs> no, look, look, look. Uh, the, the, the rest is luck. Like you, Sarah Myron, everyone here is, is incredible. I'm just, I'm just glad to be a part of the conversation, man. But yeah, ECD and XD, new guy on the block. I've been here for like six, seven months, something of that nature. It's, it's, it's been a quick one, right? But um, again, look, I'm, I'm, let's get this thing going. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just kind of excited about the twenty-eight thousand props. So you guys are like, I'm trying to figure out how I can get like Myron. What's up, man? Like, get, can I get the hookup? You know, like maybe we talk about the art of the deal. Right? Right. So maybe like figure out a way we can, you know, slide in and get those points. Now, that's that's amazing. It's going to be fun. That. We'll have your people call my people. Walt, and we'll see what we got. Can. It. You got some got connections. It. You got some connections. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you know, speaking of, of your background a little bit, you've been a strong bo- a voice about our industry's historical lack of diversity. I mean, if you just, you know, Google Walt, you could see a whole bunch of the great conversations he's had, even just over the last couple of weeks, some of the, the really important discussions that have taken place. And over the last year, especially brands and leaders talk about their desire to add more people of color, black people to leadership, holistically across the business. Yet we're seeing that survey, and there are many of them from Forays and a bunch of others that that find black and African-American employees make up a a tiny fraction, like 6% of the industry at large, even smaller, down to like 4% amidst some reports at the senior level. Talk about how leaders can keep themselves accountable to put their money where their mouth is, so to speak, in this area. I think the key to this is, is as simple as one word, transparency. Or like, I think that people want transparency. Look, it's like, you know, remember, I'm just making this up the top of my head, so I apologize, the simile is not good, but remember when we were a kid, right? And it's like, you you constantly like, your parents are like, I'll get you this one thing for Christmas, I'll get you this one thing for Christmas, and you wait and you wait and you wait, and it's like, did you get, it's like, it's just the anticipation and lead up and build up to something that's so, what we believe is incredible. Like, we, we simply want a space at the table, right? And it's like when you tell us at one point, like, yes, this is happening. We're doing all this stuff. We're, we're, we're going to drive all this impact. And seven, seven, eight months later, nothing has happened. That's a problem, right? So, we, you know, it backs into transparency. It backs into candor. It backs into just being open and honest about what is going on, right? I think that people would be a lot in a lot better place if, if, if folks would just simply say, come out and say, hey, look, we didn't get there yet. We're, we're learning this actually a little harder than we expected. However, here are our plans and here's how we, we plan to tackle the next two to three, four or five or six months. Right. Um, you know, and I, I say it a lot and I'll say it again. It's like we, you know, brands, we all do it right. We get in these moments of, of trying to be relevant. Relevancy means trying to take advantage of a particular moment. We get on the soapbox. We yell out loud. Hey, we're going to do all this shit. And then we're like, we care. Mm-hmm. And what we're not seeing is that same energy. Right, like that, like that. I want to see the same energy from seven, eight months ago where people get back up on that box and say, this is what we're doing or this is what we're going to do. Or, hey, this is still a work in progress. We're, we're, we're tackling this problem. And we understand it's an issue. and We're going to make it better. Well, what's great about it is that it, it really comes back to the, the business adage of the say-do ratio. Just do what you say and hold yourself accountable. And, and one of the conversations you you had recently, you kind of referenced the idea that you know people are, I'm not going to say dipping their toe in the water of this idea, but they're hiring, well, we've got a chief diversity officer. And that 
that's good. Yeah, okay, but it's not nearly enough for a lot of reasons. Now, tell us a little bit more about how it's more than just a position. It's more than even just a small group of people. It, it's a it's a culture shift, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. And then I and then I'd love to. I mean, look, we can all jump in and tackle this question together. I know Myron has a ton of incredible things to say about this as well. But my my point of view is this: like, look. I have a lot of friends that are chief diversity officers. No offense to all of them. I think that the role that they're put in is a difficult one. It's a difficult one for the mere fact that you have to represent two people, right? You have to represent your your CEO and or your boss, right? Your company, right? And you have to make sure that they're not put in harm's way. Yet you're doing the same thing for people of color, specifically black and brown people, mm-hmm. right? So how do you toe the line between trying to protect your company and then protect these people. Like it's impossible, right? So when we talk about diversity inclusion and the impact and the changes that need to be made, it starts with making sure that everyone across the board is accountable, right? From a di- from a you know, from a manager to a director to a SVP to a C suite, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone should be accountable for the numbers and, and for the for creating a diverse environment for their employees. Right. It can't be it can't be held upon just one person. It just doesn't work like that. It's impossible. Well, and what I find interesting is even those those firms that have the well-established experienced design chops and, you know, they are, you know, experts in business and, you know, they, they're doing things that are obviously, you know, on the right path, they failed to, to reap the benefits of truly inclusive design because, I mean, we we're talking about this in the in the pre-meeting about to be human centered is literally to be able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And unless you're doing that intentionally and you're bringing different perspectives to the table, you're kind of going to be fighting a losing battle because you really are bringing everybody to the table. Why do you think so many firms, even those with those those design chops, fail to reap those business benefits? Because it seems like they're ripe for the taking. There absolutely are. But here's the thing. like we, we often talk about putting ourselves in someone else's shoes. It's really hard to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, right? Like, I worked with, you know, you know, intellectually disabled individuals for most of my life. My mom ran one of the largest facilities, after school programs and housing, like in New York State. I've done it since like 13 years old, okay, uh, up into my 20s. Just because I worked with a slew of, of, of ID folks does not mean by any means that I could put myself in their shoes. I still have issues and problems when I think about how I design specifically for some of those people, right? Which is why when I have those problems, I have friends and I have people that I work with that I can go to and say, hey, can you tell me a little bit more about this? Explain this to me, right? Or does this make sense to you? And I think that once we're doing that as a whole, right, the work that the output of the work that we put out into the rest of the world is better. And it's not just then designing for those marginalized segments or, or segments that are underrepresented, but actually designing with them. Talk about the the importance and the process of co-creation. I think you were touching on that where it's it's like I can't just make the assumption that I know or even if I talk to somebody, it's it's not enough to just ask the questions. It's actually a process that you should be doing with them, right? It should be a process where you're all working together. Right. Like, like, like it, it is what it is. You know, it's like, you know, you, 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 you can't expect to do the work and then let's say hand it off at the last minute to someone say, can you review this? Can you, I've been in those situations mm-hmm. where folks came to me at the very last minute. Hey, what do you think about this? No, it's absolutely wrong. And now you don't have time to get back to the client with a proper response. And now as a company or an agency or whomever you are, a brand that this now looks bad on all of us. Right. So, 
you know, it's it is a process that happens from the start. And getting there means it starts at the leadership, right? We have to have people of color at the top because when you start to talk about diversity as a whole, right, you could bring in as many people as you want at the bottom, but when they don't see anyone that looks like them at the top, there's going to be this feeling of, well, I don't know that I really belong here. So the most important metric when we start, and if we get back down into the data, the most important metric that actually really matters is retention, mm-hmm. right? Because retention will tell you why people are actually going out the door. Retention will tell you why people are actually confident in staying, right? And a lot of that, again, revolves around being able to go into a place and see people that look like yourself. Like I have a friend who, you know, who I've, I've, you know, I go to the night, you know, back in college and we go out to school, like bars and nightclubs and like mm-hmm. real cool white dude. I grew up with this guy, right? Like he got to a place before I got, went, got to this particular place, right? And we stepped in and his this isn't you know a guy who would feel comfortable going in there because not everyone in there looked like him mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. that's how we that's how we feel a lot of the time when we go to a lot of you know in these environments and it's difficult to work in those type of environments as well but it's in, in and Sarah I want to bring you into this because it, it's a topic that often comes with tension anybody can can speak on this stuff but but Sarah I mean we we think about whenever the object of race or cultural diversity comes up, there is that that stigma of uh, I don't if it's around the water cooler, I got to be careful of how I say this because people just, in, you know, understandably don't want to come off insensitive or ignorant on the subject, especially when you're you know in a position to represent your brand. It's one thing to be, you know, engaging with friends, family, whatever. But all of a sudden you're, you're kind of talking on behalf of a brand. It's, it's tough to have those conversations. Talk about why it's so critical, to Walt's point, to ask those difficult questions and be willing to just react in the sense that I, I don't know what I don't know, so help me with that. Tell me a little bit more. Yeah, so you know, Walt, Walt's story is, is a story that, I, I mean, I've had, I think a lot of people have had, where um, you've been in those uncomfortable situations, and so, as black people, as people of color, BIPOC community, we're used to being uncomfortable and going into situations where we are the only one. And I think someone said um, uh, in uh, Just Add Flavor last week, you know, only is lonely, right? But we know how to navigate that. We've, we've been tested so many times where we know. And I think when it comes to, you know, people are not sure that, you know, they don't want to be insensitive. They don't want to say the wrong thing. I think they're, you're faced with two types of, of uncomfortable, the, the upfront piece of that and then the backlash. And so the upfront, you know, you get the heaviness in your chest, maybe you're sweating a little bit, you're, you're a little bit anxious and you just don't know what to do. But then you think about the backlash and we see how companies have been taken down. We've seen how people have been fired. We've seen how stocks have dropped, right? Um, we've seen the, 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 the culture, the negative culture of a backlash or, you know, cancel culture. And people have varying, um, excuse me, opinions on the, the validity and the value of cancel culture. But that starts at the root of people not being accountable for what they don't know and stepping into those spaces and being uncomfortable. So it, it, it's, it, you're faced with, with both of those options. Either you want to be uncomfortable in the beginning or deal with the uncomfortable part at the end. And what I love about, about the way you, you phrased it is that like tactically, that's, that's kind of what CX pros are designed or at least should be designed to do is dig into those, those meaty questions about what makes humans tick, what makes them make progress against problems and like factoring diversity into experiences, strategy, design thinking all across the board from, from every point in the, in the CX wheel, so to speak, it is almost inherent 
to an or in order to get an experience to come to life that you take these these types of uh, approaches or, or their or postures. What advice would you give to CX pros when it comes to changing their process for the better beyond just be willing to ask questions? Give me a couple of things off the top of your head that, that you would suggest those listening to the show start uh, applying to their work daily. You know, I, I think as strategists, um, you know, we are we are natural problem solvers. And so often when we hear a problem before the problem is even fully you know, out of someone's mouth, we're immediately trying to address it. Right. We're trying to you know, come up with a solution. Um, and I think, you know, Stephen Covey said, you know, listening with intent to understand not just with the intent to respond. Like it's it's that kind of shift, mind shift, that we have to apply to how we, you know, approach CX. Because in and of itself, it is a mentality shift. Um, and I think it's kind of difficult for some strategists to kind of shift that way too, thinking like, oh, actually to figure out what this person is actually experiencing that and, and internalize it. Um, and I, in addition to kind of asking the questions, I think it's also humility, right? You need to come to that conversation or that discussion with some humility and vulnerability. And it's very hard to be vulnerable. It's very hard to humble yourself and say, I am in this room or I'm, I'm, I'm part of this discussion to learn. I am going to say some things that are wrong um, and I am open to correction. Like that's a very hard thing to do, but it's necessary. If you're truly going to build something around a human experience and you acknowledge that the human experience is so varied and vast, then you need to be able to broaden your horizons to what that actually means. And I think that also starts with being curious, right? We we kind of have kind of pigeonholed ourselves into, okay, well, this is what the data says, this is what the test says, this is what the methodology is, here's the structure, and we're just going to kind of rinse and repeat. And people aren't like that, right? I mean, you know, they can be predictable in some ways, right, and some things, but people are always constantly shifting in, in their moods and temperaments and what they like and don't like. Um, and so you need to actually be curious and learn firsthand, um, you know, what, you know, what's going on and um, know how to kind of use their like bright language and know how to speak to people in a certain way. Um, and, and not as a, like a scientist or, or a researcher, like I'm not saying you should kind of look at like the BIPOC community as you know, lab rats. I'm, I'm not saying that. Um, but I think as uh, you, you need to look at them and look at us as human beings, right? <laughs> because yeah. you have the, the, apply the same amount of empathy, right? Um, and into uh, how you would anything else and, and realize just the varied experiences. So, um, you know, I, I, I think about it, you know, over my career, um, one of some of my favorite calls have been those where someone from an, uh, another community, community, excuse me, advocates for someone else, right? Or they, they say, hey, can we, um, you know, have we addressed accessibility, right? Have we uh, thought about the language here? It might offend X, Y, and Z community, or that's not usually, that's, that lingual is just not gonna, gonna work here in this space. Have you thought about that? Those are my favorite rooms because it's showing me that those people have been in conversations um, or been in part of discussions and they've actually internalized what they've heard. And going back to what, what Wall was saying is you, you don't have those types of conversations. 
you don't get with those types of people in the room unless agencies, at least in our case, are hiring those types of people who think that way and are able to bring that type of a perspective to the table. I think you made a great uh, analogy when you talked at least a little bit there on accessibility or, um, you know, the experience of somebody who has lived it. And I think Walt touched on it earlier, has a very, very different perspective than somebody who talked to somebody who lived it. Because you can do research all day long, but unless you're coming from that angle and you have people at the table who have that angle, you're just grasping at straws. And then you, yeah. you compound that with mixing the you know complexity of that angle plus the rapid change that we're in, uh, in terms of delivering experiences, customer demands are f- through the roof, things are changing so rapidly. Like you, you are gonna lose if you don't play this game. And it's not even a game, just if you don't play it this way, you're just destined to fail. I think it's super smart. One thing you said, Hodge, that, that I wanted to give you a chance to speak on, and, and all the three of you guys can talk about it as well, is the uh, the Just At Flava conference. We're, we're um, as we sit recording this podcast right now, we're about a week past, uh, not quite, uh, the Just Add Flavor conference, which took place. And uh, obviously all virtual, a lot of you know great people signed up and were you know, both uh, participants and panels, yourselves included. Talk about what that was and what it was like to participate. Yeah, I, I can uh, jump in first. I'll take this one. So uh, Just Add Flavor was a uh, half-day virtual conference where we pulled together, we speaking as a fluorescent, which is the Black and African-American ERG here at VMLYNR, um, pulled pull together a, I mean, a whole host of amazing speakers um, and, you know, panelists. Um, it, it truly was a, an entire production to talk about um, Black and health. Myron, um, excuse me, not Myron, Walt. <laughs> looking at Walt, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you, uh, you know, moderated and spoke on that panel, Um, you know, black in culture, black in in creativity, um, uh, you know, black in history, just all these different places that black people have contributed to the larger society, but also, um, you know, the exploring the nuances that, you know, build out the the entire black experience. Um, and I, I really enjoyed speak on it, speaking um, uh, as a panelist and as a moderator. I'm going to plug uh, the Blurred, uh, <laughs> the Blurred <laughs> panel if you haven't had a chance to check that one out, um, where we talked about being a black nerd and and all the kind of nuances of what superheroes meant and cartoons meant for us growing up and how that's kind of shaped our worldview. Um, so all those kind of those inter, uh, uh, intricate details about the black experience we got to talk about and dissect um, just at Flava. And um, it was just a half day and it wasn't a nearly as enough. So hopefully next year we're able to do, you know, full day in person, two days maybe. I'm going to put that out there in the universe. Hell yeah. Now now it's out in the universe. Well, I mean, Walt uh, touched on an earlier theme of diversity going beyond just a single position. And we're talking the chief diversity officer, bringing in Myron King, um, who, as we introduced off the top, is, is our chief inclusion officer. Um, and obviously, lots in play right now in terms of, of his day-to-day work. But um, Myron, I'd like to, to kind of pry in a little bit more to, you know, for leaders listening to this podcast and wondering, okay, I, I mean, I'm wrapping my head around it everything that's been said so far. How do I accelerate this from a business? How can they start to build a framework? So, so first it starts with a correction and I'm the chief integration officer, not the chief inclusion officer. There it is. 
And the distinction is important because one of the first things that any organization that wants to accelerate their momentum in, in terms of this change needs to understand is that the change itself needs to change all aspects of your business and the way it operates, which means that it can't be nested successfully as part of operations or part of HR or part of client engagement or part of experience design. It literally has to operate outside of those so that it can be an accountability partner to those entities. When you have that sort of push and pull, that sort of tension, it it creates more opportunity for innovation. It creates more opportunity for uh, for investigation, and and that's going to be key for an organization to move from from this this kind of state that we're in, which feels more accusatory than observational. The moment any of us in these sorts of roles, particularly people of color who are still the minority in most of these cases at tables where they are the only and the lonely, it's really important to to help position what you're seeing in a way that doesn't feel like it's an accusation, right? The, the state of the status quo, the state of affairs that we're in right now is is rather dire. And quite honestly, there is an equity, there is an equity situation that forces the focus on BIPOC populations at this moment. And within those BIPOC populations, you can see some very dramatic uh, disparities where black people are concerned in relation to uh, their Hispanic counterparts and, Lat- and Latinx counterparts. The the group that's probably most aggrieved is our indigenous populations, and that requires a, a separate focus and conversation all of its own, too. But th- those are just off the top for leaders listening. If you really want to get down to the brass tacks, there's three ways to accelerate. One, you have to do a diagnostic of where your company currently stands, both as they exist in the marketplace and as they exist as an employer. Are they truly an employer of choice? And do you have a community of consumers that believe in the things you say? I think that's number one. And and you have to be honest, like, you know, stand in the mirror and and take a real good look at yourself (laughs) and and, and answer that question. Because we know research suggests that people that are – lower on these proverbial totem poles have a more truthful uh, view of reality than those that are at the top. Most times in C-suites, they think they're doing far better than they actually are. So if you can do that self-assessment, if you have a voice of the employee that is speaking to how do you feel about diversity? How do you feel about equity? How do you feel about inclusion? How do you feel about our efforts? How do you feel about our corporate social responsibility in relation to what we're doing internally? That's when you start to get to the real crux of the of the matter. Uh, Thing number two for for acceleration is to is to have betas understand small small tests, small uh, efforts that you can launch that don't need to be perfect, that you can start to test, learn, and adapt from, right? That's the same as we do in experience design. That's the same thing we do as part of design thinking. We prototype quickly so that we can test the hypothesis. I think we need to apply that those sorts of innovation, that innovation rubric to DE&I in our organizations. And then third, is you have to diversify your inputs, right? It kind of ties back to the first one, but quite honestly, you gotta, it's okay to not know. It's okay to embrace that discomfort, but be prepared to be corrected. Do not be so egotistical that 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 you take offense to being told the right way or, 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 or being explained to that something is uh, different. A good example is, is it black or is it African-American or is it black American? Mm-hmm. You know, you might not have the comfort level or the vocabulary to phrase the question, but go ahead and be prepared to get it wrong and be told it was wrong 
and 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 get it right from there. That's that is how you break down the barrier uh, to to being a bit more understanding. Last thing on this note is um, I think there's a difference between empathy and sympathy and compassion. Right. And when we talk about the whole, you know, put yourself in somebody else's shoes Mm -hmm. organizationally, I I think you 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 can do that. But you need to be sympathetic to challenges, which means you have to understand more deeply. And then you got to be compassionate because when you're compassionate, that's when you actually intend to act, which is a big deal for transformation internally. We say it a lot. Moving from best intentions to best practices. I don't want to infer. I want to see it. Mm-hmm. So action is what we index on with transformation so that there is no that there's no lack of receipts with the way that we've approached this. You can see what we're doing and, and, and take us to task for it. What I think is cool, too, is, is you, you touched on something that that gets brought up a lot in our customer experience uh, and human centered design discussions as, as a, an agency or an organization, a firm is accelerating or um, trying to, to move themselves up the maturity model. Um, it's, it's something called the bright spot analysis. It's like highlight champions within your organization that are doing it. Um, but then also to, to what Walt was saying is you, you give yourself the ability to bring people into the design process that represent the customer base and you're getting the, the benefits of inclusive design from a business perspective. One thing I'm, I'm super curious about, and Walt touched on, on the idea of retention as kind of one of those KPIs. Tell me some of the other KPIs, because you know me, I love data, that you can actually, when you start to put this into practice beyond retention, if there is something else beyond retention that you might say, here are some things that, that you're looking at um, that would be good barometers, beacon scores, if you will, for moving in that right direction. Yeah, there's there's an entire range of possibilities um, to to consider and think through. Um, in addition to you know retention, we we are definitely looking at staffing demographics, hires and departures. I think all of that is how you unpack that 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 terminology there. And mm-hmm. you look at the demographics at the levels. Uh, you look at those at the departments. You look at your hires for you know make basically before George Floyd and post George Floyd um, and look at demography that's related. I also think that, you know, we, we have to acknowledge that there is a diversity crisis that many companies are facing in our industry and beyond the industry. And many of them are solving it by spending money and and they're luring top talent from existing companies to to theirs as a way to solve the issue. And that does account for some of the uh, BIPOC attrition that companies are seeing now, but it doesn't tell the entire story, which is kind of what Walt's alluding to. It's one thing to to have a seat at the table, but if you're sitting there and your voice isn't heard or your words aren't acknowledged or, or you're being explained away or discredited or your ideas taken from you, mm-hmm. all of those things contribute to a sense of belonging that is lacking. And that's part of the reason that companies can buy their way to the top is because broader belonging issues aren't being uh, addressed appropriately. So so there's that whole layer that's all nested in that one term of retention. Now, that's not the only dimension that we're measuring, right? We have to look at things like employee sentiment. We have to look at things like employee involvement, like who's participating in these things, who's saying, I'm sorry, I just didn't have time. I've got a job to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have to look at our company's engagement with um, with, with BIPOC partners and entities that, that are um, 
that are that are in the marketplace, whether that be supplier diversity or charities or civic organizations. Uh, how many of those are we engaging with in real um, valuable ways? Um, and then it gets to what kind of business are we driving? Literally, our client engagement. Are we having more conversations with our clients about this in the ways that they work, meaning the way they work internally with their employees, the way they work across agencies, particularly with our teams? But then how are they having conversations in the marketplace? How are they dealing with representation? Are they making sure that their work isn't tone deaf? And are we having those sorts of impacts? Um, those are the types of things that we're counting and and keeping track of and, and trying to normalize some measurement of so that we can do uh, more transparency in our reporting. That's awesome. Amazing stuff. Before we run out of time, though, I would like to switch gears a bit and hear more about what keeps you guys busy off the clock, especially during the craziness of the pandemic. Walt, I know you're an avid sport bike racer. Not sure if you've been able to do any of that, but would love to hear kind of what keeps you busy when you're not working. Have you been able to get out at all? So unfortunately not. So, so yes, I, so as a amateur sport bike racer, um, that, that, that was a thing, but the pandemic, right. Um, so, but yeah, so, so I raced in something called the championship cup series and, and hopefully we'll be back out there next summer. We'll see. Um, other hobbies though, to be honest with you, <laughs> not a hell of a lot being at home, right? Like going outside, playing soccer outside, playing with my daughter, wrestling a lot and getting beat up and kicked in the head. Uh, but, but also like, you know, trying to play music, you know, piano, drums and guitar as much as possible when I can as, as a way to kind of stay inspired and, you know, get the creative juices running. That's awesome. Hodge, what about you? I'm, sim- I'm, I'm simple. I'm boring, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to sidestep your question here just real quick because I want to bring up one point, and I think it's something that I mean, I've been thinking about quite often during the, the pandemic, which is the E part of the E&I, and it's the, the equity piece. Um, and I think one thing that I've kind of hyper-focused on is co-creation, but also giving credit to where credit is due. There's a lot of BIPOC people who are doing some amazing work and some really innovative spaces. Um, And it's great to kind of witness that and say, oh, that's a great idea. We should apply it to X, Y, and Z. Hmm. But really where it comes down to is citing your sources and giving equity and providing these people with an an actual opportunity to go and implement that idea themselves. So um, sidestepping, but bringing it back, Travel was was my hobby, <laughs> and I switched gears to um, uh, doing drip painting, which you should definitely look it up on uh, on YouTube. But Chris Gentry, who is our office lead uh, or office manager down in, in in Frisco and Dallas, and she introduced uh, me to it, and I've kind of been obsessed. So I've got all the the materials, and I like drip painting. I love the shout out to Chris Gentry. What, what a great lady. Miss seeing her around. Uh, obviously, I think that goes without saying. Everybody, I think the one thing around VML, and not to completely go off on a tangent, but you know, we've got so many awesome and smart people, but it is so much more fun to be able to collaborate together in person. I know this has been one of those years where everybody's feeling the same way, but I think the three of you, if anybody, can you know commiserate to, with the idea that it's shown me at least that there is significant power in community, in-person community. And we've done a hell of a job, I think, at VML YNR doing great things for our clients and with our clients through digital means. But boy, there's something uh, that you just don't get when you're not in person. And, and I think we've made the most out of it for sure. But I feel like I just can't wait to be back with you all. I just I just can't wait for it. Uh, Nick, that's the, the feelings. Oh, mutual. 
<laughs> the family's mutual. Yeah, I want that Cincinnati chili. Oh yeah, you got to get your skyline <laughs> in you. That's a fact, Myron. Um, uh, I, I know you, you were uh, you were a Renaissance man, so I'd love to hear love to hear some of your your tidbits the, of the hobbies you're up to these days during the pandemic. Yes, yes, yes. As a as a true Renaissance man, I'm I'm trying to reconnect with my. Uh, PlayStation Five, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and and get better at first-person shooters. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm spending some time on that. But 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 when I'm not spending time on that, I, I'm I'm kind of like Walt. I'm definitely interested. In, I, I go downstairs and play drums. You know, maybe twice a week, and all of the neighbors can hear it, and they don't think <laughs> I'm bad. So that helps. That does uh, help. And they don't come over, and they don't come over saying stop. Um, so that helps too. And, and, and not to steal any of Sarah's thunder, but I'm, I'm with you on connecting, literally trying to meet somebody new each week and find that time for a virtual coffee and try to make some connection of uh, significance between my network and their network. Um, because it, you know, we've said it many times during the session or during the, uh, just that flavor that sometimes it takes a village, other times it takes a nation. And I think that's the one little thing that we can do is, is, you know, extend a hand and find those few minutes to, 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 to meet someone, to talk about something, to connect and understand and be relational before we become transactional. That, that stimulates that curiosity that's so important to our line of work. Um, and it makes it real, not just a box check. So those are the bigs for me over COVID. And, um, and there's some things I want to get back to, but there's some things I don't want us to lose. And that would be one of them. I think the world got much smaller because of COVID. Uh, totally. And I, I love the idea that there are people who, who kind of look at this opportunity and say, there are a lot of things that I, I miss and I want to do more of or get back to. But then there are also some things that I just want to leave behind and let them be be gone. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with those things. And now's a great time to, right. to start fresh. And um, I'm sure for those that are, are getting props points regularly, how about this for a segue? They don't want to give up those props points. And you're about to drop some on somebody uh, for the Black uh, History Month trivia contest. So I'm, I'm going to give you the mic and I'm going to let you you do your announcement. OK, I, sh- I should have went downstairs for this so I could do the actual drum roll. But <laughs> very literally, this this contest has been going on. Wait, hold on. I could do the drum. I could, get the, I could do the drum roll for you. Yes, you can. Perfect. Oh, I'm, I'm, I got my I got my drums here. Uh, <laughs> my wife's going to come in here and be like, what are you doing? Are you ready? <laughs> Yes, Hit it. Oh, just hold on, hold on, hold on. Flip the right, switch. Ready, here we go. <laughs> go ahead and hit a beat, Walt. Just go ahead, give him a little something. Give him a little something with a rim shot. Oh, wow. Maybe I can keep the prop points and just give that away. As, yeah, and, and on cue, the, the, the wife comes the in. Wife, what are you doing? Are you serious? Oh, that's so good. Oh, that's okay. That was that was brilliant. Oh man, can we can we play that video? I wish. I wish. I, 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 well, in the interest of time, but let, let's let's do this the right way. What a what a great showing we had! So many submissions. There were twelve people that got it right three weeks in a row. They named all twenty eight figures in Black history, far from trivial. But we could only choose one. We did this with a very scientific process, random generator, thanks to random.org, and the winner of 28,000 props points for getting all 28 of these historical figures correct 
is Jessica Steven. Jessica Steven, Boom. round of applause. 28,000 points. We got rid of the hot tub or the jacuzzi, but that's still a lot of points <laughs> to do something really good with in the world but or for yourself. You decide, but you are the winner. Thank you for participating, and thanks to all those that participated. We'll actually be giving a 500-point consolation prize to the others that got all of the uh, month's figures right. So no one walks away a loser. Everyone walks away a winner, but not as big as Jessica. Congrats. <laughs> Maybe she could get a PlayStation 5 and take you on. You never know. She might need 500,000 more points. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, there's no better way to, to kind of close things out than giving away some points to, to our brethren uh, on the VML side. Thank you for, for listening, and thank you for uh, obviously participating in that, that trivia contest. Guys, uh, thank you all for, for being a part of this. This was a great conversation. Um, this is exactly what I, I was hoping we, we could spend time talking about, digging into these meaty topics. There's, there's a lot to understand unpack. It's still more to unpack. And I'm sure um, as as we continue these conversations, these are three people you're going to want to uh, make sure you're you're connecting with regularly. Walt uh, and Sarah and Myron, thank you guys so much for being here. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. And thanks to you all for listening to Human Centered. We'd love to hear your feedback on the show. Just give us a rating and offer up your thoughts wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, and more. Have a topic idea or just want to drop us a line? You can connect with me on Twitter, at Nick Brunker, or just shoot the show an email, humancentered at vmlyr.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.